Section 6 of On Christian Doctrine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Josip. On Christian Doctrine by Augustine of Hippo. Translated by J. F. Shaw. Section 6. Chapter 8. The Canonical Books. But let us now go back to consider the third step here mentioned, for it is about it that I have set myself to speak and reason, as the Lord shall grant me wisdom. The most skilful interpreter of the sacred writings, then, will be he who in the first place has read them all, and retained them in his knowledge, if not yet with full understanding, still with such knowledge as reading gives, those of them, at least, that are called canonical for he will read the others with greater safety when built up in the belief of the truth so that they will not take first possession of a weak mind nor cheating it with dangerous falsehoods and delusions fill it with prejudices adverse to a sound understanding now in regard to the canonical scriptures he must follow the judgment of the greater number of catholic churches and among these of course a high place must be given to such as have been thought worthy to be the seat of an apostle and to receive epistles accordingly among the canonical scriptures he will judge according to the following standard to prefer those that are received by all the catholic churches to those which some do not receive among those again which are not received by all he will prefer such as have the sanction of the greater number and those of greater authority to such as are held by the smaller number and those of less authority if however he shall find that some books are held by the greater number of churches and others by the churches of greater authority though this is not a very likely thing to happen i think that in such a case the authority on the two sides is to be looked upon as equal now the whole canon of scripture on which we say this judgment is to be exercised is contained in the following books five books of moses that is genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy one book of joshua the son of nun one of judges one short book called ruth which seems rather to belong to the beginning of kings next four books of kings and two of chronicles these last not following one another but running parallel so to speak and going over the same ground the books now mentioned are history which contains a connected narrative of the times and follows the order of the events there are other books which seem to follow no regular order and are connected neither with the order of the preceding books nor with one another such as job and tobias and esther and judith and the two books of maccabees and the two of ezra which last look more like a sequel to the continuous regular history which terminates with the books of kings and chronicles next are the prophets in which there is one book of the psalms of david and three books of solomon namely proverbs song of songs and ecclesiastes for two books one called wisdom and the other ecclesiasticus are ascribed to solomon from a certain resemblance of style but the most likely opinion is that they were written by jesus the son of sirach still they are to be reckoned among the prophetical books since they have attained recognition as being authoritative 
The remainder are the books which are strictly called the prophets, twelve separate books of the prophets which are connected with one another, and having never been disjoined, are reckoned as one book. The names of these prophets are as follows. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Then there are the four greater prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. The authority of the Old Testament is contained within the limits of these forty-four books. That of the New Testament, again, is contained within the following. Four books of the Gospel, according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John. Fourteen epistles of the Apostle Paul. One to the Romans, two to the Corinthians, one to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, two to the Thessalonians, one to the Colossians, two to Timothy, one to Titus, to Philemon, to the Hebrews, two of Peter, three of John, one of Jude, and one of James, one book of the Acts of the Apostles, and one of the Revelation of John. Chapter 9 how we should proceed in studying scripture in all these books those who fear god and are of a meek and pious disposition seek the will of god and in pursuing this search the first rule to be observed is as i said to know these books if not yet with the understanding still to read them so as to commit them to memory or at least so as not to remain wholly ignorant of them next those matters that are plainly laid down in them whether rules of life or rules of faith are to be searched into more carefully and more diligently and the more of these a man discovers the more capacious does his understanding become for among the things that are plainly laid down in scripture are to be found all matters that concern faith and the manner of life hope to wit and love of which i have spoken in the previous book after this when we have made ourselves to a certain extent familiar with the language of scripture we may proceed to open up and investigate the obscure passages and in doing so draw examples from the plainer expressions to throw light upon the more obscure and use the evidence of passages about which there is no doubt to remove all hesitation in regard to the doubtful passages and in this matter memory counts for a great deal but if the memory be defective, no rules can supply the want. Chapter 10. Unknown or ambiguous signs prevent scripture from being understood. Now there are two causes which prevent what is written from being understood. It's being veiled either under unknown or under ambiguous signs. Signs are either proper or figurative. They are called proper when they are used to point out the objects they were designed to point out, as we say boss when we mean an ox, because all men who with us use the Latin tongue call it by this name. Signs are figurative when the things themselves, which we indicate by the proper names, are used to signify something else, as we say boss and understand by that syllable the ox, which is ordinarily called by that name but then further by that ox understand a preacher of the gospel as scripture signifies according to the apostle's explanation when it says 
thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn chapter eleven knowledge of languages especially of greek and hebrew necessary to remove ignorance of signs the great remedy for ignorance of proper signs is knowledge of languages and men who speak the latin tongue of whom are those i have undertaken to instruct need two other languages for the knowledge of scripture hebrew and greek that they may have recourse to the original texts if the endless diversity of the latin translators throw them into doubt although indeed we often find hebrew words untranslated in the books as for example amen hallelujah raja hosanna and others of the same kind some of these although they could have been translated have been preserved in their original form on account of the more sacred authority that attaches to it as for example amen and hallelujah some of them again are said to be untranslatable into another tongue of which the other two i have mentioned are examples for in some languages there are words that cannot be translated into the idiom of another language and this happens chiefly in the case of interjections which are words that express rather an emotion of the mind than any part of a thought we have in our mind and the two given above are said to be of this kind raja expressing the cry of an angry man hosanna that of a joyful man but the knowledge of these languages is necessary not for the sake of a few words like these which it is very easy to mark and to ask about but as has been said on account of the diversities among translators for the translations of the scriptures from hebrew into greek can be counted but the latin translators are out of all number for in the early days of the faith every man who happened to get his hands upon a greek manuscript and who thought he had any knowledge were it ever so little of the two languages ventured upon the work of translation chapter twelve a diversity of interpretations is useful errors arising from ambiguous words and this circumstance would assist rather than hinder the understanding of scripture if only readers were not careless for the examination of a number of texts has often thrown light upon some of the more obscure passages for example in that passage of the prophet isaiah one translator reads and do not despise the domestics of thy seed another reads and do not despise thine own flesh each of these in turn confirms the other for the one is explained by the other because flesh may be taken in its literal sense so that a man may understand that he is admonished not to despise his own body and the domestics of thy seed may be understood figuratively of christians because they are spiritually born of the same seed as ourselves namely the word when now the meaning of the two translators is compared a more likely sense of the word suggests itself namely that the command is not to despise our kinsmen because when one brings the expression domestics of thy seed into relation with flesh kinsmen most naturally occur to one's mind whence i think that expression of the apostle when he says if by any means i may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them that is that through emulation of those who had believed some of them might believe too 
and he calls the jews his flesh on account of the relationship of blood again that passage from the same prophet isaiah if ye will not believe ye shall not understand another has translated if ye will not believe ye shall not abide now which of these is the literal translation cannot be ascertained without reference to the text in the original tongue and yet to those who read with knowledge a great truth is to be found in each for it is difficult for interpreters to differ so widely as not to touch at some point accordingly here as understanding consists in sight and is abiding but faith feeds us as babes upon milk in the cradles of temporal things for now we walk by faith not by sight as moreover unless we walk by faith we shall not attain to sight which does not pass away but abides our understanding being purified by holding to the truth for these reasons one says if ye will not believe ye shall not understand but the other if ye will not believe ye shall not abide and very often a translator to whom the meaning is not well known is deceived by an ambiguity in the original language and puts upon the passage a construction that is wholly alien to the sense of the writer as for example some texts read their feet are sharp to shed blood for the word axes among the greeks means both sharp and swift and so he saw the true meaning who translated their feet are swift to shed blood the other taking the wrong sense of an ambiguous word fell into error now translations such as this are not obscure but false and there is a wide difference between the two things for we must learn not to interpret but to correct texts of this sort for the same reason it is that because the greek word moschos means a calf some have not understood that mosheimata are shoots of trees and have translated the word calves and this error has crept into so many texts that you can hardly find it written in any other way and yet the meaning is very clear for it is made evident by the words that follow for the plantings of an adulterer will not take deep root is a more suitable form of expression than the calves because these walk upon the ground with their feet and are not fixed in the earth by roots in this passage indeed the rest of the context also justifies this translation chapter thirteen how faulty interpretations can be amended but since we do not clearly see what the actual thought is which the several translators endeavour to express each according to his own ability and judgment unless we examine it in the language which they translate and since the translator if he be not a very learned man often departs from the meaning of his author we must either endeavour to get a knowledge of those languages from which the scriptures are translated into latin or we must get hold of the translations of those who keep rather close to the letter of the original not because these are sufficient but because we may use them to correct the freedom or the error of others who in their translations have chosen to follow the sense quite as much as the words for not only single words but often whole phrases are translated which could not be translated at all into the latin idiom by any one who wished to hold by the usage of the ancients who spoke latin 
and though these sometimes do not interfere with the understanding of the passage yet they are offensive to those who feel greater delight in things when even the signs of those things are kept in their own purity for what is called a solecism is nothing else than the putting of words together according to a different rule from that which those of our predecessors who spoke with any authority followed for whether we say inter hominis among men or inter hominibus is of no consequence to a man who only wishes to know the facts and in the same way what is a barbarism but the pronouncing of a word in a different way from that in which those who spoke latin before us pronounced it for whether the word ignoscere to pardon should be pronounced with a third syllable long or short is not a matter of much concern to the man who is beseeching god in any way at all that he can get the words out to pardon his sins what then is purity of speech except the preserving of the custom of language established by the authority of former speakers and men are easily offended in a matter of this kind just in proportion as they are weak and they are weak just in proportion as they wish to seem learned not in the knowledge of things which tend to edification but in that of signs by which it is hard not to be puffed up seeing that the knowledge of things even would often set up our neck if it were not held down by the yoke of our master for how does it prevent our understanding it to have the following passage thus expressed que est terra in qua isti insidunt supeream si bona est annequam et que sunt civitates in quibis ipsin habitant in ipsis and i am more disposed to think that this is simply the idiom of another language than that any deeper meaning is intended again that phrase which we cannot now take away from the lips of the people who sing it super ipsum autem floricht sanctificatio mea surely takes away nothing from the meaning yet a more learned man would prefer that this should be corrected and that we should say not floriet but floribit nor does anything stand in the way of the correction being made except the usage of the singers mistakes of this kind then if a man do not choose to avoid them altogether it is easy to treat with indifference as not interfering with a right understanding but take on the other hand the saying of the apostle quod stultum est dei sapientius est hominibus et quod infirmum est dei fortius est hominibus if any one should retain in this passage the greek idiom and say quod stultum est dei sapientius est hominum et quod infirmum est dei fortius est hominum a quick and careful reader would indeed by an effort attain to the true meaning but still a man of slower intelligence either would not understand it at all or would put an utterly false construction upon it for not only is such a form of speech faulty in the latin tongue but it is ambiguous too as if the meaning might be that the folly of man or the weakness of man is wiser or stronger than that of god but indeed even the expression sapientius est hominibus stronger than man is not free from ambiguity even though it be free from solecism 
For whether hominibus is put as the plural of the dative or as the plural of the ablative does not appear unless by reference to the meaning. It would be better then to say sapientius est quam homines and fortius est quam homines. End of section 6